and a bike helmet? No. Uh, oh, Dutch News uh, podcast bike helmet. That's that's uh, something to look into. Maybe, in the, maybe a few years in the future. It's Friday, January 19th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, civil engineer and trapped in ice stoat. And uh, with me uh, today is not Gordon Derek, he is away in uh, Bristol, I believe, but uh, we have an uh, excellent substitute for him. We are joined today by Shinai Bostas. Uh, welcome back to the show, Shinai. Thank you. Do you like how I wrote my name phonetically there? Hoping yes, that you would give me a, a sh on the Bostash. Yeah, I, I I really needed to uh, to 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 look twice what 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 actually you wrote down because I I know how to pronounce your name so this l- <laughs> slightly confused me a bit but I think I managed oh Sorry. Uh, to pronounce your name uh, correctly. At least um, you know I'm not a man and I'm not Gordon. Th- that's right. Yeah, and I've got your uh, job title because you yes. are a night fly. I am. Uh, yes, uh, or a fly by night, a fly which by I, night. I yeah, prefer. That- yeah, that's a better one, I think, yeah. Um, yeah, let's start with your job title then. What's that all about? Yeah, well, I mean, I am a great fan of tart, uh, making yeah. tart. I'm, I'm not a tart. I, I make tart <laughs> very frequently. And uh, uh, Limburg's tart... You're the podcast tart, baker. Yes, exactly. The, Limburg's tart has, has won some kind of uh, a recognition as being a, a thing of natural national cultural heritage, the, the Limburg's a fly which yeah. is spelled V-L-A-A-I, but sounds like fly to you and me. Um, and I'm reclaiming tart, actually, because I think that it's it's far more of a British invention and it's got nothing mm-hmm. to do with Limburg, really. So oh, so wow. I, I, I'm a night fly. I have but, to make but, it by but, night because I'm not allowed to make it in the Netherlands. Yeah, because, because you live in Amsterdam and that's a yeah. no-fly zone. So yeah, yes. uh, technically you're not allowed to make flies yeah. anymore there. But um, can you explain what a fly, uh, uh, what, it, what it is? Why is it so special? Well, it's a tart. A tart is a pastry case. Originally, yeah. you had a pastry case because you needed to eat something and your hands were filthy from being down the coal mine or whatever. So you needed a, a, a bread-like substance which was robust enough to hold the filling, which was what you wanted. Oh. Um, so a, a, a tart case is some kind of flour mixture made with a bit of butter to make it a bit more appealing. Now we tend to eat the tart, but that we wouldn't necessarily have done originally. And it's filled with a kind of a custard, which is an egg, eggy, creamy mix baked together, yeah. flavoured with all sorts of delicious things. And and, and, uh, and and lots of fruits very often as well. Um, do you know how they are eating the fly in Limburg? I just uh, I was watching a talk show yesterday and someone from Limburg was explaining how they eat it. They just slice it as it is uh, uh, some sort of pizza and just pick the slice up and then just eat it in their mouth. It's, uh, it was a re- really curious thing to see, I thought. But uh, Yes. Well, you, um, you're, you're very obsessed with the, the cake forks in the Netherlands, aren't you? Yeah. You can't have a proper civilized, beschaved household unless you have cake forks, which was new to me and now i have some cake forks <laughs> very tiny tiny forks uh, yes. specifically for Whereas cake actually you want pastries. a nice big slice of tart to shove in your mouth and there i agree ah, with the Limburgers. okay well they, they, they also have a coal mining history so i think there is uh, some sort of relation here probably um so very interesting fly uh, talk here um i am uh what was i again a trapped in ice oh yeah trapped why in are you trapped stoat. in ice uh, because it's very cold have you been outside this week Try not to. 
No, uh, it was uh, quite heavily snowing uh, where I live. Well, not exactly, but it was uh, severely enough to uh, to cause a lot of uh, delays and nuisance in traffic and in public transportation. And um, yeah, every year I think there is one story of someone walking past a, a, a lake or, or, or something like that, a body of water, and they find um, a small animal trapped in the ice. And uh, this year it was a stoat, uh, which uh, made the headlines. I didn't know what a stoat was. In, uh, in, in Dutch it's a hermelijn, but it is a weasel-like uh, animal. And so big, yeah, bigger, the, than, bigger than a rat, but not as big as a cat, right? Yeah, something like that, yeah. And uh, it, the photo, it was such a such a pretty animal and it was completely stuck in ice. And it was, uh, I thought it was very uh, a very tragic thing to see. Um, but it did remind me of the uh, kingfisher, uh, the ice kingfisher, which we've seen uh, uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, do you know what a kingfish Kingfisher it is, yeah? Yeah, it is kingfisher. Kingfisher in Dutch? I don't know what kingfisher is in Dutch. What's it in Dutch? Oh, it's uh, an ice vogel, an icebird, yeah. So yeah, to lovely. see an icebird stuck in, in ice, ice is oh. even more ironic, of course. Very nice. Um, it was immediately uh, confiscated or claimed by the uh, Natural History Museum in uh, Rotterdam, uh, which has an exhibition called uh, Animals in the News. They um, uh, their, their top um, item is, of course, the domino sparrow uh, which is a uh, do, do you know what the, do you, have you never heard of the domino mus? i haven't no? don't think so have i not i don't know oh, when was wow. it 2006 it is the ophef of ophefs um uh, uh at that time there was an annual um, oh, hold on. Uh, why were you paying attention to ophefs in 2006 i'm going to explain this i'm great i'm, I'm very glad that you have never heard of the domino mus because it allows me to talk even more about the domino mus than i already do um in 2006 there was an annual tradition to have the uh, to break the world record of uh, falling dominoes uh, which was a, a, a tv event every year and they set it up in a enormous hall and at one point there was a sparrow that flew in these holes and started to knocking over all these millions of dominoes and um, of course we had to break the world record it was very important so what are we going to do we couldn't catch the sparrow and they uh, brought in a hunter who, who shot the sparrow um, no! in order to save the world record your your <laughs> reaction That's is appalling. <laughs> Exactly. It caused a lot of op-app, as you can imagine. Um, the world record was eventually broken, but the uh, Sparrow was... It wasn't was, uh, worth it. it. It was definitely worth it. I am team. I'm team Domino world record. You are team Sparrow. I'm team Sparrow. Go, go to Rotterdam, go to the Natural History Museum, and you can you can see the Domino Mus uh, on exhibition, uh, as well as the uh, Tweede Kamer Muis, the McFlurry uh, hedgehog, um, and now also the ice ice vogel, the ice kingfisher. But not the stoat. The stoat is uh, still in place at the moment. I think it's still in place. Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, if it's going to find its way to the National History Museum in Rotterdam, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Oh, they they also have. Uh, oh, the top item is also the the first um, uh, uh, homosexual necrophilic duck. Oh, I, that does ring a bell. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, uh, But th- that you uh, had never heard of the Dominomus, I am... Uh, Before my time. Before your time, yes. Google it, it's uh, it's worth it. Um, yeah, uh, enough about uh, past ophefs. Let's go to the uh, current ophef. Uh, and that, that one comes from uh, the supermarket chain Plus. Uh, which supermarket do you regularly go to? 
Is that not private and confidential information? I go to all of them, whichever one's nearest by. All of by. them? Oh, yeah. Well, Gordon and I, we have, we have strict preferences. I always go to Altertain. Gordon goes to Jumbo. Um, so, uh, but you are But Jumbo, you are Jumbo's losing out to Albert Hein at the moment, is it not? Yeah, 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 mm. indeed. So, uh, I prefer Jumbo. I prefer Jumbo to Albert Hein, oh, okay. needs must. Bad choices. Um, so, supermarket chain Plus, that's another Dutch uh, supermarket chain, and they were forced to stop advertising a special offer after it led to chaotic scenes in stores across the country. The Dutch, of course, like a discount, uh, so Plus had it coming when they put six rolls of A-class toilet paper on sale for only one euro, and it was down from four euros fifty, so an enormous, uh, uh, in, uh, an enormous discount, uh, and that uh, offer attracted hundreds of people to the Plus stores, and a supermarket in Utrecht was literally plundered, and security footage of people storming, uh, yeah, the storage trolleys with the toilet paper as soon as they were brought out into the store went absolutely viral it was painful to watch i have to say <laughs> yeah it was terrible terrible didn't scenes. they learn anything during covid oh don't they still have a toilet paper mountain from covid for goodness sake <laughs> i think that's why it was on sale because they don't don't know what they're going to do with it um, they were waiting for the, the next uh, lockdown they'd the stopped next it lockdown, up yeah and it uh, and it stopped coming yeah covid was uh, was away so now they have to uh, come up with these kind of things to to get rid of all their toilet paper um the Utrecht supermarket manager told RTL News that they thought 800 packages of toilet paper would be enough to meet demand, but it was sold out in only four minutes. Plus, acknowledged they had underestimated the enthusiasm for the offer and they have decided to stop advertising the special discount to protect its staff. Typically, they're, of course, uh, yeah, younger people or, or teenagers. Um, but la and last week, a uh, similar offer with Unox Soup and Long Life Milk also turned out to be extremely popular, but it didn't lead to s the, the similar scenes as with the toilet paper. Who are the these people buying this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, it's not comfortable, the toilet paper that you can buy for one euro. I, I saw someone... Oh, I suppose um, it's A-class toilet paper, but still. I, I saw someone uh, fighting for four or five packages of these toilet paper, and yeah, it is couple of euros uh you save a couple of euros and do you really have to behave you yourself? lose your dignity <laughs> yeah lose your dignity is it is that is that worth your losing your dignity over i i i don't agree um but still it is excellent opf and uh, yeah it reminds us of covid times when of course there was an enormous shortage of uh, of toilet paper yeah so um yes. it's it really worth losing your dignity over a couple of euros i don't think so no well, didn't Gwen Stefani make the international news once when she told everybody that she was only using one sheet to save the environment? I could be, I could be slandering her there. I'm sure it was her. It was, it was, a, it was a very famous singer, which which made one have all sorts of thoughts about how many sheets should be used. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's continue Moving with the on. podcast. Yes, please. This week, the VVD Senate faction surprised everyone when it unexpectedly voted in favour of a controversial bill. British nationals in the Netherlands are urged to sign up to vote in UK elections. Dutch music exports is flourishing while the flower export is toning down. Rents continue to rise. There's only one orange tennis player left at the Australian Open and a British artist collective decides that speedy e-bike racers need to wear helmets. The Hague was once again the scene of high political drama this week after a two-day-long marathon debate on the Spreidings or Dwangwet. 
depending on who you ask. Uh, the VVD Senate faction surprised friend and foe when it voted in favor of the highly controversial bill, giving it the upper house majority required to enshrine it in law. The bill was introduced by uh, Prime Minister Mark Rutte's fourth cabinet following the overcrowding crisis at the Immigration Reception Center in Ter Apel, which forced asylum seekers to sleep outside on the grass. Uh, Immigration Minister Erik van den Burg had great difficulties finding extra accommodations for asylum seekers, and municipalities that did decide to help often faced fierce resistance from the local population. The bill was aimed at increasing the capacity of the asylum chain and spread the centers more evenly over the country, but would ultimately give the national government the power to pinpoint locations for new asylum seeker centers. Opponents felt this component would undermine the local democracy and munici- municipal authority. Hence the force, a law name, right? Uh, the, the, that was the spin that the opponents uh, gave to it, while, uh, uh, while the people in favor said, yeah, it's meant to spread asylum seekers more evenly. That was the, uh, those were the two camps that uh, that uh, that emerged um, a VVD party revolt against the bill was hushed by uh, Mark Rutte after he promised to reduce the inflow of immigrants to the Netherlands but his coalition wasn't able to agree on a package including a controversial ban on fam- family reunification which ultimately led to the collapse of the cabinet Rutte leaving politics and new elections it might be worth saying that these municipalities that are taking asylum centers aren't doing it from the love of their hearts they're paid and they're paid quite a lot of money to they're do it quite a lot of money yes and um the group so it, of it asylum... might be forced but it, it, it's forced with an extra sweetener of you know a million euros or whatever there is a carrot but there's also a stick yes uh anyway just despite the the fall of the cabinet in july last year uh, the trader camera did actually vote in favor of this bill Yes, and usually when a cabinet falls and new elections are called, the outgoing lower house is supposed to be yeah, reluctant with accepting uh, impactful bills. And the VVD's former coalition partners, however, realized that with a number of left-wing opposition parties, they did enjoy a majority uh, uh, support for the Spreidingswet. Um, they blocked the VVD's proposal to have it declared parliamentary controversial, which is a technical term, but it basically means that uh, parliament agrees that um, uh, Certain laws which are still on the roll need to be postponed until the new uh, government can take over. Um, yeah, that that got, the the law eventually got passed, uh, much to the annoyance of uh, of the VVD party. Um, and in the election, the VVD campaigned on scrapping the law. And even though it lost the election, a new majority opposing the bill was elected, and that prompted uh, Dylan Yesokus, the new VVD leader, to table a controversial motion calling on the Senate to scrap the bill from its agenda. Yeah, that was that was quite a curious moment when people were accusing her of overstepping the uh, role of the Tveda camera of the lower house and trying to interfere with what the Senate was doing. But anyway, uh, Yeshil Guz's efforts failed and uh, the bill was debated in the Senate this week. Yes, on Monday and on Tuesday, uh, and it was defended by VVD Immigration Minister Erik van der Burg, who as a member of cabinet is highly in favour of the bill, but as a member of parliament is highly opposed to it. Um, yeah, quite a uh, schizophrenic situation here. Um, and it was widely expected that the VVD Senate faction was also against uh, the bill and Van der Burg uh, only needed a single dissident for a majority. So the debate was obviously closely followed by parliamentary journalists, but to anyone's surprise, the VVD voted unanimously in favor of the bill, making the already uh, yeah schizophrenic relation between the VVD and the Spreidingswet even more complicated. 
And in an email to uh, party members, VVD Senate faction leader Edith Schippers explained her faction's uh, decision. They had voted in favor because of the overwhelming support by mayors, aldermen, uh, Ter Apel, the immigration service. They all are in favor of this bill. And uh, yeah, we didn't want to leave them in the lurch, she said, adding that her faction feels confident that uh, with the new configuration of the Tweede Kamer, the um, yeah, uh, prerequisite of reducing immigration inflow will be met. So what, what's the consequence of all this to for the talks to try to form a coalition, which is the other big news of what's trying to happen at the moment? A government which is still is, not formed. Yeah, which is still ongoing. It's almost two months uh, after the last elections, right? And we still haven't uh, made major progress with uh, with the new coalition. Um, naturally, they, they've established their tea preferences so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, they are spending weekends away with uh, with each other on uh, in in the forest and stuff like that. Yeah, naturally, anti-immigration PVV leader Geert Wilders wasn't happy. He tweeted heavens in reaction to the news of the VVD support for the bill. The next day, he met with uh, yeah the VVD leader Jesselgus, BBB leader Caroline van der Plas, NSC leader Pieter Omzicht, and informateur Ronald Plasterk for a new round of preliminary coalition negotiations. Um, and he told journalists that. Uh, the new law is a serious problem for him and uh, yeah with that he uh, broke um, uh, the radio silence which the uh, potential coalition partners had agreed on uh, for the first time um, but he also said that showing up uh, was a sign that he is confident a solution can be found uh, Jesselgus said that the Eerste Kamer faction is autonomous and free to make its own considerations, which is a constitutional sound line of reasoning, but her already damaged leadership following her loss of the election is uh, yeah, definitely damaged even more now that she doesn't seem to have her party under control. So, um, yeah, this was the first bomb under the coalition uh, uh, talks. Um, but, yeah, nobody has... Uh, yeah, they still, uh, they still seem to be confident that they uh, can find a solution. We'll see. By, by we'll mid-February, see. We, we might have some more news, right? Yes. Um, but if it's uh, up to Frans Timmermans, the leader of uh, GroenLinks PvdA, the, left wing, uh, the new left-wing uh, uh, alliance, uh, we will have a debate very soon because he said that um, the uh, informateur Ronald Plastex, his assignment was first find a common baseline, a constitutional baseline, which the parties will agree on, and then start negotiations uh, on, um, yeah, on, 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 on substance. Um, but um, the Ronald Plastex invited several um, government advisors and uh, financial experts uh, to come and meet uh, the coalition uh, uh, negotiators, and um, yeah, he sees uh, that as a sign that uh, the, the coalition talks have progressed beyond the um, uh, constitution uh, question. Um, and yeah, he wants uh, he wants some clarification uh, on that. So he demands that Rona Plaster comes to, to the Tweede Kamer and explain uh, where they are standing because uh, yeah, he, uh, he wants transparency and uh, ultimately uh, he doesn't want this coalition to happen, of course. He would not necessarily be alone in that. Um, anyway, that's all behind closed doors. So uh, open the doors. Uh, there's good and bad news for Brits in the Netherlands uh, this week. The, the British government has just quietly passed some legislation just before Christmas, actually, to make sure that people, Brits abroad, won't lose their vote after they've been away for 15 years. Mm. But 
On this side of the channel, bad news, the Dutch government is busy chucking them out. In case you missed the news a week ago, which came out just after the last podcast, the Netherlands has successfully ordered more British nationals to leave the country in the first nine months of 2023 than any other EU member state, according to EU statistics office Eurostat. This uh, frightening efficiency on the part of Dutch administrators, which generally only happens when they have something to gain, meant that 275 people were ordered to leave the Netherlands. And this compared with a total of 1,040 British citizens who were ordered to leave other countries in the Schengen area, probably because they were embarrassing all of the locals by being too polite and good at queuing. Um, Yeah, it all doesn't sound very nice, but tell me more about the better news on the voting. I didn't know British could vote in Britain. Yeah, some countries allow you a vote if if you have their nationality, uh, regardless of where you're living. Then you can have a debate about whether or not that's a good idea, but that's the fact of the matter. So it was the case in the UK, but only for 15 years after you left. And since you don't get a vote in the Netherlands in national elections unless you're Dutch, there were a number of people who were basically disenfranchised here, left without Mm. a vote, but still with the great joy of paying tax every year. There were about uh, 45,000 Brits, they reckon, in the Netherlands, and 3.4 million Brits abroad who'd lost the right to vote because of this 15-year rule. But anyway, from this week, you can sign up again and get your vote back just in time for the next exciting British elections. (laughs) Um, I'm just wondering, uh, if you live abroad, which constituency are you going to vote in then? Is is that the the constituency you have last lived in or how does that work? Do you know? It's generally the last last constituency that you have paperwork that linked you to the last place that you lived. So yes. you can you go through the process of reapplying and you can't uh, cherry pick your constituency. You can't think, oh, you know, I'd like to vote Tory, so I'd like to uh, vote in a place where my vote will matter. No, mm-hmm. no. it has to yeah, be yeah, uh, yeah. factually somewhere you are linked with. And how about Europe? Can you still vote if you live here? No, unfortunately not. Brits are no longer part of Europe. I don't know if you caught that that op-ed a few years ago. (laughs) Anyway, so you don't get the right to vote for the EU elections, even if you live in Europe. And um, if that's a problem to you, you'd better be quick and try to get a Dutch passport before the next government is formed. Uh, The downside, (laughs) even now, according to Dutch law, is that you can only have one passport. So if you were to get a Dutch passport, you have to give up your British one. Tricky choice. Um... So what is the best country to vote in anyway? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, where would you vote if you had the choice? I think voting in the Netherlands is a bit like an intelligence test because there are so many parties and so many abbreviations and most people have no idea what the abbreviations stand for. A Parte for Didira, Party for Mm -hmm. the Animals, even made that its last April Fool's because everyone thinks that they're not party for the animals, but party of the animals, which is quite a different thing and quite insulting if you think about it. Anyway, in Britain, at least it's easy to understand. There's a relatively small number of parties. Uh, The voting sheet is not the size of your bath sheet. And uh, (laughs) if you're lucky, you might get a random mad party like the monster raving loony party standing in your constituency. I always like uh, to see Elmo standing next to uh, the potential prime minister in these uh, in these elections, right? Or Lord Buckethead, he also seems to uh, make a nice uh, show of it. Uh, yeah, the Dutch voting system isn't uh, isn't a guarantee that uh, idiots uh, uh, will not uh, be running for the election, though. So uh, we all have our clowns in the elections. 
the Dutch Customs Service seized almost 60 tons of cocaine at ports and airports last year, and that's nine tons more than in 2022. Most drugs were found at the ports of Rotterdam and Vlissingen, where officials found 140 separate consignments. The biggest catch was a record eight tons and was found in a shipment of bananas from Ecuador and Panama. The amount of cocaine seized at airports was 2.2 tons, and that's almost double last year's figure. The figures were announced by Customs Minister Aukje de Vries during a visit to Vlissingen with Belgium's Finance Minister Vincent van Peterum. In Belgium, officials seized 116 tons of cocaine. It's almost double than the, the, the amount in the Netherlands. I We need to step up our game. We can't have Belgium win this, uh, win this contest, I think. Um, and that 116 tons is, uh, is slightly up uh, on the previous year. The Netherlands and Belgium are closely cooperating in combating drug smuggling via Rotterdam and Antwerp. In 2023, officials in Rotterdam scanned 40% more containers than last year and had invested in underwater drones and smart surveillance cameras to help. Other drug seizures made uh, in the Netherlands last year included 19 kilos of heroin, 4 tons of marijuana and 377 kilos of ecstasy. And there was a remarkable increase in the seizure of LSD, which rose from 6 kilos in 2022 to 37 last year. And uh, just this morning, there was a record uh, amount of ketamine, 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 found in Walwijk, um, uh, I believe. So uh, that was also a couple of hundreds uh, kilos of uh, of these designer drugs. So um, yeah, I'm just shocked to see that uh, Belgium is even more um, uh, an import uh, uh, base for for cocaine than the Netherlands, apparently. I mean, it depends or, whether or, it depends whether they're they're seizing more of it that's coming in, or whether they're getting more yeah. of it attempted. The Dutch might be getting more, but seizing more of it. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Who that's knows? the kind yes. of record that you want to win. I love how you. This is your. these are your import figures. Brilliant. I love it. These are the yeah. import figures yeah. that they don't necessarily count up in quite the same way in the uh, statistics office. Anyway, tell us about the export of really good things that we make money on that isn't Black. According to music research bureau Perfect and More, the Dutch music industry generated 198 million euros in exports last year, and that's uh, an increase of 15% on 2022. The numbers are still lower than before the pandemic, and the music industry is still feeling the effects of corona. Dutch DJs and bands performed in 84 different countries last year, led by the United States, Germany, and Britain. But at the same time, demand for Dutch music in countries such as Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Chile and uh, Colombia is rising. Uh, top DJs such as uh, Tiesto, Martin Garrix and Afrojack uh, take the top three positions, but the number five on the list is a little-known band from Nijmegen, a punk band from Nijmegen. Um, Antilectoral put on 88 shows outside the Netherlands last year. Um, dance accounted for almost two-thirds of last year's total, but orchestra leader André Rieu was in 22nd place. He's starting a new world tour soon, so he's likely to rise in uh, next year's charts as well. So uh, music is doing well, but despite the fact that there's a new rose named after Caroline van der Plaats, <laughs> the sweet Caroline, is there is indeed. <laughs> I went to see it being... Um, uh, what do you call it? You you dop it, don't you? In Dutch, you uh, you you, yeah, you, you smash some water it. over. You baptize it. Yeah. So I, I went to see it being usually, baptized. But usually you do that with champagne. But I think Caroline van der Plas used um, some discount beer from the Aldi. I, I I imagine or not? No, no. It was some reasonable uh, fizzy prosecco. Mm, to okay. uh, to baptize her rose. Anyway, so the sweet Caroline's out there, but uh, other other markets are less flourishing. The flower market not doing so well. 
Yeah, unfortunately, Dutch flour and plant exports have fallen for the second year in a row as inflation and, there it is again, Brexit continue to take their toll. Flour exports are down 5% to 4.2 billion, while the export of plants fell 3% to uh, 2.6 billion, which is quite a large amount of, uh, of money we're making from, from plant exports. Yeah, I it's a hugely important uh, industry. Yeah. Inflation and higher costs of living mean consumers are more careful about spending money on luxury products. More export rules and checks on diseases introduced by the United Kingdom after Brexit and a poorly performing British economy led to a fall of 7% of sales to uh, Britain, which is the second largest export market for the Dutch horticulture sector. Not such good news. And uh, not such good news in other parts of the economy as well. Uh, House prices rental prices to uh, to be specific so a week a week after we heard that uh, the house prices were inching up year on year just about the rate of inf- inflation there's bad news if you think you're fine because you're renting actually uh, according to the housing platform Pararias which always makes me think of the word pariah, but actually it's an online housing broker. Um, House prices in the free market rose an average of 8.5% across the country in the last three months of 2023, compared to the same period in 2022. It wasn't the picture wasn't quite the same across the whole of the Netherlands. In Eindhoven, new contracts were signed for slightly less than the year before, 1.4% down. But in Amsterdam, the average rent rise was 6% and actually 25% in parts of Amsterdam Nord. Yeah, huge, huge rises. So this is uh, just comparing the total number of contracts signed, but the the numbers of uh, 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 the increase in rent. But um, maybe even more worryingly, the amount of properties coming onto the market fell by nearly 16%. Mm-hmm. So there's just less housing available to rent. And experts think this is related to a number of changes in the way landlords are taxed and rents are controlled, just making it less profitable to be a landlord. So tax changes this year mean landlords are paying more. There's an increased mm. transfer tax if you if you buy something, but you're not going to live in it. They're banning two-year rental contracts. And there's new legislation upcoming, which would limit uh, maybe even up to 90% of the properties on the market to a rent of just over €1,000 a month, which if you mm-hmm. if you take into account the sales price of properties, doesn't even start to cover a mortgage that you'd take to buy something like that. Yeah, so the, this legislation sounds good and it, it's just going to mean more affordable housing, right? Mm. It's a bit unclear. You might think, yeah, great, um, people will be able to rent for around a thousand a month and it's affordable. But actually, the Council of State, which looks at every law proposal, has backed up the concerns of people in the housing sector, worrying that, that this regulation might actually make the supply of free market housing dry up. Yeah. Uh, and there are huge waiting lists for social housing. Yeah, and when uh, yeah the, the, the people in the housing market uh, expressed these concerns, they were... Uh, yeah, they were ridiculed on social media. Oh, are we, are we going to need to feel sorry for 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 the landlords? But yeah, it's uh, we are we are dependent on them. So um, yeah, and if they uh, are not uh, uh, putting houses on the market, then uh, yeah, there are no houses to live in. Um, and wasn't there some new? Speaking of social housing, wasn't there some news about uh, about social housing? Uh, Wilders told everyone that refugees were taking it all, didn't he? 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, Geert Wilders did talk a lot about um, housing and immigration and particularly on one famous debate, which some pollsters think won him the election. He said that an asylum stop would uh, solve the housing problem. Actually, though, we, we have to disappoint the people who might have voted for him and believed that just stopping asylum would make more social homes available because... According to the figures, according to the CBS National Statistics Agency in the most recent figures from 2021, 6% of the available rent-controlled housing corporation homes went to refugees, so 6 in 100. And that year, there were 169,000 homes available and just under 10,000 went to refugee families, a third of them with children. So uh, the, the solution is we all have to buy a house then? Uh, yeah, well, uh, there is there's some news about housing, but I would have to cut off my hand if I told you because uh, I, I read a press release that's embargoed until next week. Okay. So I have to pretend I didn't read it. Anyway, yeah. what we do know is that the, <laughs> the NVM estate agent uh, quarterly figures a week ago have said that house prices seem to be creeping up again, just over inflation or around inflation. But you, you could mm-hmm. ask yourself if this is good news, because according to the Economic Bureau, Oxford Economics, the Netherlands is Europe's most overpriced housing market in terms of salaries. And, and that was when house prices were down 3% year on year. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, this week revealed another potential problem. Dear me, it's not good news in housing, is it? If you buy a house that's in a shared building, one of the joys of this is that you have to have an association of owners, yep. which is called the VVE. And many people have horrific experiences with these. And the Vereniging Eigenhuis, an association that represents homeowners, is now calling for proper regulation of the people who manage VVEs for you, because it turns out they aren't regulated at all meaning that Uh someone can set up with no qualifications and more worryingly get access to your account and run away with the money. And I read the court cases and it happens. So another tip is don't give anyone else access to your savings and have at least two people accessing them from your own association. Anyway, Eichenhaus wants wants a new, some some attention to this and a protected status for, for people who would manage VVEs, which would restrict who could access this profession, shall we call it. Sports now. Jesper de Jong's Australian Open adventure is over after fourth seed Yannick Sinner cruised to a straight sets victory in Melbourne. The 23-year-old was outclassed by the Italian who won five games in a row to take the opening set 6-2 and proceeded to wrap up the match in an hour and 43 minutes. De Jong will rise more than 20 places in the world ranking to a career high of 138th and uh, he said he was extremely proud to have played in a packed Margaret Court arena in Melbourne. The results leaves uh, Talon Griekspoor, who beat the Russian uh, Roman Safriulin. I hope I pronounced this correctly. I doubt it, though. Um, he beat him in uh, five sets on Tuesday to set up a clash with Frenchman Arthur Fies. Uh, as the only Dutchman left in the singles draw. Arangsa Rus, who uh, knocked out the Ukrainian 24th seed Angelia Kalinina, uh, 6 0 6 1, to claim her first Grand Slam singles win in four years. Uh, she lost from Russia's Anna Kalinskaya in the second round of the women's competition on Wednesday. So, um, not much great uh, Dutch success in the Australian Open. Uh, tell me instead, because you know I can't wait to hear about it. Tell me about the football, Paul. <laughs> yeah, My favourite part of the week. 
<laughs> Indeed, mine too. And now I have to talk about this. Usually, I I ask the questions and I can uh, zone out while while Gordon is ranting on about uh, whatever happens in the That's football also world. Okay. And now I have to bring it. So I, I actually, I was t- very tempted to 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 give you the sports sections, but um, yeah, I thought uh, we, it would we'll never see you back on the podcast Paul. again. <laughs> oh yeah, that's also in, that was. Also I, I think I, I've been telling you about uh, figure English uh, figure uh, f- female figure skating or something. You have absolutely no interest in. <laughs> yes, uh, speaking of things I have absolutely no interest in, amateur football club Quick Boys came within a whisker of a famous upset in the Dutch Cup before losing on penalties to Asset Alkmaar. The Katwijk club took the lead after an hour when Nigel Noranko took advantage of some slack defending before slotting home. Azad responded quickly, scoring twice in three minutes, but in the seventh minute of injury time, substitute Leonard de Beste headed in a corner. The Alkmaar side, fourth in the Eredivisie, went ahead again in extra time through Miron van Brederode's calm finish, but after Azad had a fourth goal cancelled out by a far review, Quick Boys leveled again when Sam van Duin capitalized on a blunder by Alexandre Penetra. An upset looked on the cards when Paul van der Hellem saved Asset's first penalty, but Bram Franke and Levy van Duin missed the targets for Quick Boys, allowing Asset to win the shootout 4-2. The match between Kampur and amateur club Hercules was postponed due to snow, and Hercules is currently the favorite club of many football fans after it sensationally kicked Ajax out of the Baker tournament just before Christmas with a 3-2 win. But unfortunately, all the matches have not been postponed due to snow and um, Ajax has flown in some reinforcements. Yes, uh, according to Dutch media, the Amsterdam Football Club has signed a two and a half year contract with Jordan Henderson. He's leaving the Saudi club Al Etifak and landed at Schiphol on Thursday for a medical check. The club will make the official announcement later in the week. And the transfer is a coup for Ajax, which has beaten off international competition for Henderson. He has played more than 400 games for Liverpool and has 81 caps for England. And the Englishman who moved to Saudi six months ago will bring much needed strength to the Ajax midfield following a disastrous start of the season. The Amsterdammers have since fought back and are now in fifth place. Uh, And according to Football International, Henderson will not make his debut for the Amsterdammers against RKC Waalwijk on Sunday because, as a non-EU national, Ajax has to apply for a work permit for him. Phew, and you can leave that to Gordon in future. (laughs) <laughs> yes, but there was Brexit again. So uh, yeah, he's he's done has... a Brexit. Gordon's done a Brexit because he's in Brexit. Yeah, that's that's right. Literally, yeah. After all that fascinating football news, we don't have much time for the last story, so it's quickie, um, because that's actually how fast the bikes go. A mysterious British collective called Pattern Up has been linked to a series of posters in Amsterdam, which seem to be telling you that the municipality has a new rule, and that from the 1st of January this year, all e-bikers, particularly annoying Van Moof cyclists, have to wear a bike helmet. This sounds like an April Fool's uh, joke to me. Um, a helmet, it, it's very much against uh, a Dutchness to wear a helmet, right? I've, I've never heard about uh, anything of this. Yes, you're quite right. It does sound like an April Fool's because it isn't true. The posters ah. are nothing to do with the council and they're probably breaking one law or another about fly posting or something. Mm. Um, it's actually... Misleading a- the public. 
yeah, something like that. Yeah, false hide in script. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it's actually an artistic collective from Brighton, apparently, which in the UK has been linked with all kinds of posters calling areas drug taking zones or sarcastic posters taking the Mickey out of consumerism. Why is 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 a artist collective from Brighton concerned with with cyclists in Amsterdam? I I tried to get to the bottom of this and I contacted what appears to be their gallery in Brighton and had a mysterious email from somebody. Um, And I tried to say, well, well, who are you? We don't report on things if we don't know who you are. It's just basic journalistic checking. Um, and, And then I got a mysterious email back saying, it's so there is no demographic attached to the art. No bias of stereotypes can be made by the viewer. Which wasn't really the answer to the question I was asking. Anyway, it's all it's all a mystery to me. Okay, so people do not have to wear a bike helmet when you when they are cycling in Amsterdam, but do you wear a bike helmet? I, I'm curious now. Funnily enough, there, there is actually a serious debate about bike helmets and e-bikes, and there have been a couple of stories in the Dutch news in recent past about um, maybe older people on electric bikes. Um, because the impact of a collision is obviously greater the faster you're going. So there have been yeah. some suggestions that, that maybe older people could wear helmets or maybe people who are on electric bikes going a bit faster could wear helmets, but uh, roundly rejected. And actually, the official statistics in the Netherlands do suggest that 40% of fatal accidents would be prevented if people were wearing a helmet, i.e. if you fall and you fall hard in a way that would kill you, a helmet could save your life. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I did wear a helmet in my first eight years in the Netherlands. And every time a Dutch person saw me wearing a helmet, they would tell me off about it as though it was some personal comment on them. And then I gave my helmet away and I just didn't bother to get a new one. But I have just bought a new helmet. Okay. Because you have also bought an e-bike or...? Uh, I have a bit of a, I have a little bit of a boost on my bike. Not that it goes very fast, but um, but I think that we all need uh, helmets for the government ahead, which looks like it's going to be a car crash. <laughs> a car crash in a train wreck in a Hindenburg landing. Um, yeah, get your I, helmets I, on. Get your helmets on. Now I think that um, uh, I I think it's more accepted now to wear uh, helmets on your bike. You see it uh, more very much more often in public than compared to ten years ago. I think, and uh, one of the major contributors of that is I think the 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 uh, the e-bike because people can go so fast with it. It's almost like you are um, uh, driving a scooter, right? So um, uh, they can easily go forty kilometers and sometimes. Uh, 40 kilometers an hour and sometimes even faster if you have uh, 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 brought it to a uh, to a special shop um so but I you're think not it's... allowed to do that and we're not suggesting no. that anyone should do that oh no 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 of course not uh, we condemn that in the uh, strongest possible terms um mm. but it's definitely something you see much more often people wearing uh, helmets when they are on their bike um and um yeah but for example speed skater uh, speed cyclists not speed skaters speed cyclists uh, 20 years ago, uh, 30 years ago, it was also, um, yeah, you, you never see anyone on their speed uh, uh, bike with a helmet. And now everyone is doing it. So it, it, it is a development that needs some time to, uh, to, to get accepted, I think. And it's the same thing with, with the seatbelt, right? It's, uh, uh, it's, it's a similar thing. So I, 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 I do think that uh, in the future we'll see uh, much more people wearing, uh, wearing helmets uh, on their bikes. I mean, I just wore one because I used to wear one in the UK because that's what you did and you don't notice it. You just put it on. It's not a big deal. 
that's uh, all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. And if you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. A you good can also one. A good one, preferably indeed. Uh, You can also uh, back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash DutchNewsNL. I think I forgot uh, the the Patreon shout out this week, didn't I? Yeah, does anyone get a shout out this week? Uh, Yeah, usually that's uh, that's Gordon's task. So uh, Uh, that's why I think I skipped it over. Brexit, Gordon. Um, Earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast if you donate to us. My thanks to uh, Sinead Bostas, not to Gordon Derek, and uh, we'll be back next week. And I also forgot to mention that uh, the OPEF of the Year Awards, uh, we will announce the winner of that next week when Gordon is uh, is back because he wanted to be present when we did that. So you still have a week extra to vote in the uh, uh, OPEF of the Week election and win this special mug and uh, the uh, Zeesluis Aymuiden coaster. And a bike helmet? No. Uh, oh, Dutch News uh, podcast bike helmet. That's, that's uh, something to look into. Maybe, in the, maybe a few years in the future. Yeah, <laughs> when they are when they are legally required, yes, or when there is a new cabinet. Mm-hmm.